1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Writer
0: Than You podcast.
2: Good morning. Welcome into the show. Happy Friday. Thank you for listening on your affiliate on the free Odyssey app. If you're listening later, not live, not in this moment, welcome to the podcast. Either way, thank you so much for being here. We are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need cash out of your home. And a simple way to get it, Rocket can. A lot of things have gone down since we last hung out 24 hours ago. Blockbuster trade, sending Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz to the Cleveland Cavaliers. We will start the show with that in just a few moments. Tom Brady, man, I'm getting kind of tired of it, to be honest. The relatability, the likability. I felt more comfortable in my own football fan Slash radio host skin when I could just recognize his greatness and dislike him from a distance. You know, a little tinge of jealousy, little little tinge of being put out the Patriots. But it feels like every few months there's something that makes the greatest quarterback in the history of the sport remarkably relatable. And I don't normally want to get into people's personal lives on the show and in my coverage outside and away from the show. But I think sometimes it's it's worth discussing. A report that may or may not be appropriate bubbled up about Tom Brady and his marriage. And I don't want to belabor it or get into it in a way that's disrespectful. But I actually find Tom Brady perhaps having some marital issues really universal. And I think offers some perspective on the guy and reframes his time away. We'll talk about that in about 20 minutes. We'll get into Dak Prescott. I think I tweeted out at Sports SportsR-E-I-T-E-R, Dak going to Dak. Which translates to, this dude is the worst, even though I kind of root for him a little bit. And the Cowboys are D-Cell's team. So we're going to get into that a little bit. Uh, Rafa Nadal at the U.S. Open threw a racket at a ball, and the racket bounced and, and hurt his nose. And he was bleeding, and I asked D-Cell about self-inflicted athletic injuries he's had. And before we could answer, I gave him five, and he just laughed at me. So apparently it's amusing when idiots like me amuse injure ourselves. I'll, I'll talk to you about that in a little bit. Barrett lee will be on the show in an hour. Talk a bunch of college football. Obviously, huge opening weekend. Buy or sell with de-sell. Bum of the week. A lot of candidates, including a gentleman uh, that I interacted with at a bar last night. That is maybe the weirdest interaction I've ever had. And I've had some pretty awkward interactions over the course of, of my life. I, I do want to start here, though. Just good to be here. I was driving um, a little near-death experience. I was driving... Lori and the kiddos outside of L.A. last night, and it was dark where we were. In part, you know, it's Southern California, parts of can be pretty windy. And I was on a two-lane road, interstate highway thing, going, I don't know, 60 miles per hour. And um, there was a UPS truck sort of in the middle. It was one of these more country roads. you got two lanes going one way, two lanes going another, and a, a, sort of a middle thing you can turn from. And the guy was just sitting there. Uh, it was dark. He, his his parking lights were on. His rear lights were on. And then he just veered into the middle of the intersection, and and uh, we're okay. We're good. Uh, some adept driving by me. Uh, glad I'm here. And I gotta tell you, D Cell, those near death experiences make you appreciate things like you. And like like today, I found out something new about you that you tie your shoes bunny st- ears bunny ear stuff. I don't even know what that means. But I've never been so glad to hear those words from you because I just a little freaky last night, buddy. Near death experience to give you a whole new perspective
3: on life. You didn't hear of the bunny ear style to tie your shoes. I may get you
2: to tie your shoes this way now. I wouldn't have known it had existed if I hadn't gotten over into the far right lane just as a prep. It was one of those, probably going 60, 65, slamming the brakes, turning the car, trying not to go off the road. Kids are screaming, Lori's screaming. um, And we just, we sort of barely avoided the guy. And like an idiot, he just kind of stopped in the middle of the road. I think he must have seen me the last second, and just and just stopped. So that was really really fun. Anyway, uh, good to see you, buddy. And how's your mood today? You go, You happy? Happy Friday? Everything good? Yeah.
3: I don't think we're uh, we're gonna do a segment on college football playoff expansion or Joe DiMaggio's hit streak. So I think I think we're good today.
2: I actually was maybe this. I almost crashed. I was actually my wife made me listen to some of the show yesterday via podcast. And we were listening to yesterday. We had a college football playoff expansion argument, and I found it very amusing. And then at one point, listening back, D Cell, you were giving your your, your in depth analysis of of college football playoff and why uh, why too many teams is great, but they didn't do it. So now we should go back to the bad way. And and I remember <laughs> thinking how I laughed out loud. And I remember thinking, what is he talking about? You know, in the replay. And then my wife turned to me and goes, what is he? You know, Lori's not a big sports fan, so she meant it more in the sense she thought she wasn't keeping up. Lori goes, what is he talking about? And then on cue, Bogish on the podcast said, what are you talking about? So uh, At
3: least it's universal. <laughs> Nobody has any idea what I'm talking about.
2: Dude, you're like the guy from The Beautiful Mind, right? It wasn't Matt Damon. It was some other, some other actor. Uh, Russell Crowe, you're so at a level above us that we don't understand the beautiful mind in front of us. But I'm going to work on it, bunny ears and all, because I'm feeling a little, uh, you know, second chance vibe today. All five two one two four CBS, Twitter, Sports Writer, Sports R-E-I-T-E-R. Big news that came down yesterday. You know that Danny Ainge, former head of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics, the architect of the greatest ripoff trade in the history of the NBA that brought all these picks back for former Celtics greats and helped build this current Celtics team. That front office guru now runs the Utah Jazz, and he's been Pulling that thing down, he's been rebuilding since the start of the summer. Moved on from Rudy Gobert for four first-round picks, and the big prize that was out there—the big, shiny, beautiful thing that could be attained by ambitious teams—was was, was Don, player was Donovan Mitchell. I like Donovan Mitchell. I think he's a star, maybe not a superstar, but the guy can go and get buckets. And yesterday, amidst rumors that maybe it would be the Knicks who would get him, maybe the Lakers would be involved because then they could send Russell Westbrook's massive and, and burdensome contract. Out of nowhere, it is the Cleveland Cavaliers' blockbuster trade. They acquired Donovan Mitchell, 25-year-old superstar slash star, somewhere in that range, under contract for four more years. Four, wait for it, I don't usually have to take a breath to talk, but this is a lot of stuff. So, I got through all of it. Lori Markkinen, Colin Sexton, Ochai Ogabi, whose name I just butchered. Uh, Three first-round picks and two pick swaps. And by the way, all of the first-round picks are unprotected. So if the Cleveland experiment goes badly, those picks become incredibly valuable. We saw that happen when Ainge was in charge of the Celtics and made that trade with, with the Nets. So... Yes, yes, yes. It's, I think it's a great trade for the Utah Jazz. I really like Colin Sexton as a player. He was surplus to requirements, to use a sucker term, just leaning to d new passion uh, because of Darius Garland. But remember, Colin Sexton, when before he got injured and missed a bunch of time, was a really, really good player for the Cavaliers and was going to be a big part of their backcourt for a long time. I like him as a building block. I like Markinen a lot. I, I like Ochi a ton. Came out of Kansas, so I've watched him maybe more than, than a lot of other sort of younger college guys because I, I watch a lot of ca- Kansas basketball because I, I know and like Bill Self. Uh, name drop alert. The dude can shoot. That a- alone is a nice return. Then you have the, the pick swaps, and you have really the, the value here the first round picks. Love it for Utah. They have a really nice court to build from. They have eight first round picks in the years ahead. Nice job, Danny Ainge. It's a massive, massive hole. And normally, when Danny Ainge makes a blockbuster trade, and he gets a lot in return, one of the the physics, one of the rules of the physics, the science of the NBA, the reality is he has ripped off, in a brutal way, whoever's on the other side of that deal. That was true with the Nets when they were in Jersey, with that trade. It was true this summer when he sent Rudy Gobert to Minnesota for four first-round picks, and my knee-jerk reaction, right? What I was prepared for whenever the Donovan Mitchell news came down was going to be. Didn't I didn't even know what it was going to be, but it was. I, I was prepared for. Danny Ainge did it again, and he's dealing with a young GM and Kobe Altman. I know Kobe. I like Kobe. Kobe Altman, young GM, took over. Rose rapidly through that organization. Took over when David Griffin left Cleveland. Was a scout in Cleveland. And some of the people around the NBA before the Cavs had a nice season last year, and that frankly drafted well, some of the talk was Kobe's a nice kid, but he's over his head, he's over his skis. And, and that would be a recipe for, for Danny Ainge taking him to the woodshed. And yet I think Kobe Altman, the GM, I think the Cleveland Cavaliers as an organization, I actually think this is going to be a really smart trade for this team. Sometimes these blockbuster trades work in both directions. And you need the proper context here. One of the things that annoys the holy hell out of me is when we look at trades or decision-making or free agency in any of these sports, but especially sports where there's an imbalance in terms of the power of organizations versus each other, and that's in baseball and the NBA. In the NFL, for the most part, market doesn't matter. Not not particularly. One of the best quarterbacks in the history of the sport is Aaron Rodgers. He's in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's the smallest or one of the smallest markets in the NFL. And I know because my parents lived in Green Bay for a while and I used to spend time there, it's an awesome town. I'm from that part of the country. Please, everyone, stop tweeting me when I say Cleveland's not New York City. You're thin-skinned, how dare you, big city, coastal elitist. I'm from Iowa. It's not a put-down. I love Iowa, but I got some breaking news for you. It isn't easy to recruit star athletes to certain places, the places that I'm from. And that imbalance impacts the context of moves like this one in the NBA and Major League Baseball. Let me give you some of that context. First of all, not taking shots at Cleveland. My wife, Lori, is from Ohio. But I have asked, and I've talked about this on this show, I have used my weird transition in life in the last 10 years from writing only to doing television and radio, where I interact with athletes, to just ask as many stupid questions as I can of every poor athlete who gets into a green room with me. I'm not kidding. What's your favorite color, bro? What's the best shot? Do you, do you really like wearing Nikes, or is that just the money? I'm not joking. I ask every question I can think of. And the first one is, what is the least desirable city in America for NBA free agents? And Cleveland is on the first two or three on that list. Not taking a shot at Cleveland. I'm just telling you that professional athletes who have a bunch of money and can play anywhere want to go where the weather is really nice or New York City. Miami, Los Angeles, New York, even Chicago is at a bit of a disadvantage. But for guys who are willing to go to the Midwest, that's where they're going to go. And I'm from the Midwest. It ain't a shot. Cleveland is never going to be able to recruit a superstar or a near superstar at a Donovan Mitchell level if they're not from Akron, Ohio. That's it. That's the only scenario. The LeBron James thing is a one-off. And so the price is going to have to be higher. You're going to have to pay a Cleveland tax. You are. And I think you need to put that into accounts. The other thing is that Kobe Altman is young. I think he's really good at his job. How do I say this diplomatically? He works for an owner who's not the best owner in the NBA. How's that? Was that a nice way to say it? I'm trying to lean into being nicer after that UPS truck almost took me out yesterday. And that puts him under massive pressure. Any of you who have had a bad boss who's not reasonable, who doesn't know what he's doing, who maybe in the past wrote a letter about a superstar leaving as if it was some kind of ransom or you cut out the letters, that's not going to be easy to manage and you're not going to be given the kind of time you need. Altman has done a hell of a job with that roster. It doesn't matter. He's got to keep building. You're not going to get a lot of time. He's got to take chances. And then I think the final thing is the fact that the Donovan Mitchell is the perfect piece for this team. Sexton... Just wasn't going to get the minutes and the time and the fit with Darius Garland as a part of that organization. But they are loaded. That is a really, really good roster. I think Darius Garland's a great player. I happen to think, and I've talked about this a little bit on the show, that Evan Mobley can be a top 12 player maybe in the NBA. Now there's a lot of guys competing for that, but the dude has a ton of upside. I know nobody's jumping up and down because Ricky Rubio's on their roster and saying we finally got to the championship promised land. But last year when Rubio was healthy, that Cavs team was a top-four team in the Eastern Conference. And when he wasn't, they weren't. They needed some of that depth. They needed some of that leadership. Jared Culver's a really good player. You go through that Cleveland Cavaliers roster, and you throw in a guy in Donovan Mitchell, who, yeah, can shoot too much sometimes, okay, and, yeah, sometimes forgets, and maybe he just forgets, that you are allowed to pass the basketball in the NBA. It's actually allowed. I get it. But this is still a guy that can go and get 50 or 60 on any given night. And in a seven-game playoff series, which the Cavaliers are going to compete in, and they're going to have expectations to win several of those, Donovan Mitchell is one of those guys, maybe there's 15 or 20 of them in the NBA, who by himself is capable, it's not a guarantee, but is capable of winning you a couple games a series. He is. And you throw that in to the mix of a really good Cleveland team that plays really good defense, that's young, that has a core, and it's a hell of a trade, even if it's a hell of a gamble. And I love it for that organization. I love it. They've got Mitchell for four more years. And again, not taking shots. Let's just say, because I'm from Iowa, and we're on the air in Des Moines, I got married there. I love Des Moines. Let's say that Des Moines landed an NBA team tomorrow. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but let's say it did. It would be the most impossible plays on the face of the earth in the NBA to recruit talent. It's not because Des Moines sucks. Des Moines awesome. I'm just telling you that's the reality. It's the reality. But there isn't a team in Des Moines. There is one in Oklahoma City. Hard to recruit to. It's why you see Presti do what he's done. And it's why you've seen three future Hall of Fame superstars, three guys, two of one, who have won MVPs, one, no, all three of whom have, excuse me, who have won MVPs, leave. Not because Oklahoma City is a bad place. My brother was actually born in Oklahoma City. I don't remember it that well. My only memory really is We found a turtle in my backyard when I was like three. And that was pretty exciting. So I got like fond memories of Oklahoma City. But it's not an easy place to recruit to. And neither is Cleveland. And you have to operate that way. Every time you talk to a GM or an executive over a beer, they'll, and you, you steer the conversation to the Lakers, they'll get frustrated. Because they'll tell you, and there's some truth to this, that the Lakers don't run. From their view, I think it's more complicated. But their view is, largely, often, the Lakers don't run their team particularly well. They spend years drafting poorly or having <clears throat> the young Jim Buss, uh, the wrong people run the organization. They make massive mistakes, see Russell Westbrook. And they're able to fix it in a year or two because everybody wants to go to L.A. If James Dolan didn't own the Knicks, the Knicks would have the exact same advantage. You don't get to do that in San Antonio. Look at San Antonio. Drafted incredibly well and incredibly lucky to get Duncan when they had David Robinson and did a really nice job with some of those other picks. But once those guys retired, they haven't been able to replenish, and Kawhi Leonard didn't want to stick around. That's the reality the Cavaliers are are dealing with. And for that reason, even though the price is exorbitant, even though it's possible that if Donovan Mitchell doesn't work out, it is going to look like that net Celtics trade that Ainge orchestrated in his old job, even though it's possible the Cavs are going to look like fools in three or four years, the fearlessness of it, The willingness not to be concerned about public opinion down the line, but to do what's best for your team. I love what Kobe Altman did. I love what the Cleveland Cavaliers did. And I'm still processing it. And I know this became the talk yesterday. I think the Cavs are either at the top of Tier 2 or the bottom of Tier 1 in the Eastern Conference. And if I had to put money down, which I've been known to do – I would take the Cavs over the Brooklyn Nets every single day this upcoming year because the Cavs believe and the Brooklyn Nets hate each other. Hell of a move for Cleveland. Nice job. Good work. I love it. I forgive you, UPS driver, for almost taking me and my family out. It happens. I'm glad I'm still here. We're going to talk about what is a bunny tie on a uh, on a shoe. I didn't even know these things were named. Apparently they're named after animals. There's a turtle tie. There's a lion tie. There's a piranha tie, which apparently is really difficult to do. We'll get into that. We'll get into self-injuries, a la our guy Nadal. And a, a new and I think a little more humanizing perspective on, on, on Tom Brady when we come back next year on CBS Sports Radio.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. You're listening to Writer Than You. First time caller. I've been listening to you for quite a while now and I uh, really love the show. Thanks, bro. I always agree with you, but it's uh, definitely entertaining and I, I respect and value your opinions on everything. It's Writer Than You with Bill Writer. All
2: right, welcome back into the show. Let me just say this. I, I have a lot of things I want to get to, but following up my point about the Cleveland tax, I understand where if you're listening to some hosts from New York or L.A., which technically I guess I qualify as, it sounds condescending. But I'm from the Midwest. My wife's from the Midwest. I went to school in Missouri. Grew up in Iowa in the Chicago suburbs. My family's from Wisconsin and Nebraska and Iowa. Lori's family is from Ohio and Missouri. That's where I'm from. And I root so much for smaller markets. But it doesn't change the reality for them. t I think something we should do, if you can remember, to quote Van Wilder, write, write that down. Uh, early deep cut Ryan Reynolds. Um, we should do like a ranking of small markets, like a power ranking of small markets. Who's As a market, who's done the best? Because I was thinking about this. I think Milwaukee, off the top of my head, feels like it'd be close to number one because they got that championship, because they've got the, what they've done with the Bucks. The Brewers are always in contention. That's a tough division. And to what degree do you include the Packers? I know they don't play in Green Bay, but they used to play some of their games in Milwaukee, and that is a huge, Milwaukee is a huge Packers Town, obviously, even though Green Bay, Wisconsin is further north and, and and different city. Kansas City springs to mind. I think, I mean, they the Chiefs have made them remarkably successful. They only have two major sports. And I know it's been a while, but the Royals did win a, a World Series in the last, what, eight, nine years. And they made two. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who I'm forgetting. I'm sure I'm forgetting some cities. How about Tampa
3: Bay? The Rays are always oh, com- the Rays are always competitive. Yeah. Yet it looks like they're not going to get a new stadium there, so they may have to leave. And we know, you know, Tom Brady and the Bucks won a Super Bowl. I think maybe Tampa Bay.
2: Like Tampa Bay is interesting. Like, does it qualify for small market status? Given the fact that it's in Florida and it's the weather's really nice. I know it's a little diff. Probably do- San Antonio. For a long time, would have been the winner with one sport, by the way. All right. I was trying to give my part of the, the world a little love, and you, you, you threw a little, a little Florida, but that's, that's cool. Um, did you see this Tom Brady story yesterday? It's interesting. I did. Yeah. I knew you did because you sent it to me in an email, already, so, right, but I just wanted to make it sound conversational. I love know? anything that's
3: going on with Tom Brady. I can't get enough Tom Brady content.
2: I'm with you. He missed 11 days. We talked and speculated about maybe he's just pulling the personal stuff because personal stuff translates to, bro, I'm Tom Brady, and I don't want to be at training camp for a couple of weeks. But a report came out in one of the New York newspapers that ironically is owned by the same family that owns Fox Sports, which will pay Tom Brady, checks notes, $500 billion a year for 500 million years. It's an amazing deal. Um, <laughs> when he retires, and I, I always, I'm always a little uncertain about talking about people's personal lives. And I, the rule for me is it has to impact performance or really have news value. When I was um, – and obviously, if, if you listen to the show, you know this. I'm unafraid to be uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Direct or difficult or, 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 or critical or, or some would say um, unfair to, to whoever I sort of feel deserves it in the moment. Right? That's just – to me, it's just candid. But I, when I covered LeBron James, when I really started d sort of being opinionated in my career, first time I, I was a columnist, I crushed LeBron every day for, for 10 months and showed up in the locker room. And I really enjoyed it. Maybe it's a character flaw, but I really enjoyed the experience. And all these reporters around me wouldn't criticize LeBron because the heat had them under their thumb and... And they were sort of afraid of LeBron. And the narrative started to turn where clearly there was something wrong with the Heat. And people didn't know how to criticize him because it was a 180. And his mother got into a little bit of a altercation at a club. And there was video. And I remember everybody wrote about it. And except for me. I thought it was out of bounds. I just didn't think it... Gloria James... Even bringing it up as an example feels kind of yucky. Did I say yucky? I got young kids. And... Um, Or I time my shoes bunny bunny style, is that what it is? (laughs) This Tom Brady story is right on the border, but I think it has some value. And the story is that, according to this newspaper in New York City, that Tom Brady and, and his supermodel wife, Giselle, are having marital problems. And that there's a lot of acrimony there. And that she is upset that he is playing football some more. And because remember, she has, this is very public. He's talked about it for years. She's wanted him to walk away from the game, spend time with her, spend time with the family. They've got money forever, right? Like it's not like you and me and D-Cell, most of us, where you have to work. Like that's how you pay, that's how you pay the bills. They could just ride off from the sunset and do whatever the hell they want to do. And, and as a father and, and D-Cell's a father, I understand the allure and the pull of spending time with your kids. I also understand what it is to have a job that you love. And I can't imagine if you had that and you're quarterback of an NFL team and you and, and you love it. And so when he when he retired and unretired in the last six months, it makes sense. It would cause some discord. And I think it just makes the guy so relatable. Look, I love my wife, and my plan is to be married to my wife forever, and I love her. But it's not like marriage is easy. I mean, that's one of the things I I got a really good friend who got married several years after me, and he's like, what. Is the is the best advice you can give me on marriage? Like, should I just make her like coffee in the morning, or like you know I'm thinking maybe I'm I'm just gonna really work hard to to you know to treat you know to take her to dinner every Thursday? And I'm like, bro, that's all sweet. Like, do that stuff. I mean, you're not gonna do it in four years. Like, in four years you're gonna fall asleep. But but just understand there's gonna be peaks and valleys, and you're gonna have these moments where it's really hard. And Diesel, I don't want to get you to talk about your marriage. You don't have to, but. I know that you've had some difficulties with your wife just because she she had to hear me criticize you guys standing up watching Peaky Blinders. <laughs> like I brought some some discord in, into the house, so it, it, I find it so relatable and understandable. Tom Brady. In fact, I'm going to play this from, from I think it was last week when he came back from his time off, and we played it last week. I just hear it under the new context. It doesn't sound like spin garbage to me shutting down a legitimate question with the personal stuff shield that if someone uses, you never know what they're actually talking about. In the context of this story, that is an intrusion on his personal life, but it's also two remarkably famous people who are going to have trouble keeping those things private. I just think the context of where Brady's been and and his trying to balance his love for football, for for competing interests, it's really relatable.
1: It's all personal. You know, everyone's got different situations they're dealing with, so we all have really unique challenges to our life and uh you know we're i'm 45 years old man there's a lot going on so you know you just gotta try to figure out light the best you can and um you know it's a uh continuous process
2: i have this line that i say to myself tom diesel that um some of my friends think is is smart and most think is stupid uh as, as tends to be the case and many people roll their eyes and it sounds i think pollyannish but it is I think most people are doing the best they can. Doesn't make everybody likable. Doesn't make everybody my friend. Doesn't make it super cool when the UPS driver almost takes my whole family out and we're just driving down the street. I'm still pretty frustrated about that, clearly. But everybody's, I think, not everybody, but almost everybody is doing the best that they can. And normally that relates to everyday people or people who are struggling or people who are going through stuff. You never know what people are going through. And just because you're famous, just because you're rich, just because you're stupid good-looking and perfect in every way from the outside. If you're Tom Brady, I mean, the guy is like a walking avatar for being, if you believe in reincarnation, which I don't. It's the only things I don't believe in. I mean, that's a pretty good, right? Like last time I was Bert the Plumber, but this time I'm Tom Brady. It's a pretty good, pretty good upgrade. doesn't mean you don't have stuff going on. I just, you made the point in an email to me this morning. I had the exact same thought. I, I can relate in a certain way. To Even when you're in a a marriage or you love somebody, not every marriage makes it. Life can be hard, man, no matter what else is going well.
3: That clip we just played from Tom Brady, I think you can plug in any married individual, whether it's male or female. We've all been there. Now, I'm new to the married game. It's a little shy of three years. I'm new to fatherhood. Whether he's 45 years old like he is right now, and you could 10 years ago when he was 35, There's a lot going on outside of football. There just is. It's real life. Now, Brady has become more relatable, I feel like, since he made the jump to the Buccaneers. He clearly enjoys football. I think what he is going through right now, reportedly, is the most relatable he's ever been to every single
2: married football fan. Let me use this as a chance to get some some marital advice from you. Sometimes you got to turn to the rookie, right? Sometimes the veteran's got too much experience. I'm a, I've always wanted to have on my phone, right, because now your phone is a walking computer. It's where your photos are. I have a notes thing that I do, you know, the groceries or what I want to talk about on the show. I mean, it's, it's my podcast. It's everything. You know, the Writer the new podcast on uh, the free Odyssey app, for example. Plug alert. Um, I've always wanted to have a file of, of, of drops and radio droppers. You play a bit of sound, and it enhances a moment for my marriage, for when, like, Lori's mad at me or something, to just, like, pull out the phone and just play sound bit. I kind of want to have this Tom Brady drop when she's mad. Like, hey, man, can you just help with the dishes? Just because I'm the same age as Brady, almost. I mean, you're younger. Is that going to be endearing, or is that just going to make things worse?
3: No, I think it's going to be endearing. I think
2: I think Lori will relate to that. I'm going to go with drops. All right, before we um <laughs> run out of time here... You know what? I'm going to let you decide. G.I. Joe, choose your own adventure. I know you're too but back in the days to read these books, we'd be like, you're G.I. Joe. You're being chased through the jungle by Cobra. They are coming toward you. If you want to jump into the raging river below you, go to page 321. If you want to turn and fight, go to page 13. If you want to hide in the bushes, go to page 89. By the way, I died every time. Like, is there a solution? Is there a way that this is going to work? Um, I'm going to give you, do you want, I have an adult self-inflicted injury thing. Would you like to do it now, or should we tease it? Tease the physical harm I've done myself over many competitions and do it in the next segment.
3: Ooh, let's keep the audience wanting more and use a
2: radio technical term and tease it. R- Rafa Nadal the U.S. Open yesterday in a match that he won, managed to basically throw his racket on the ground, have it come back, punch him in the face, he punched himself in the face with his own racket, he was bleeding, he was laying on the ground, it did not look good, and it it really underscored the, the multitude of injuries I've inflicted on myself, and some that Dcell is going to share when we come back to "Rider Than You on CBS Sports Radio, after we get a CBS Sports Radio update.
0: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. You're listening to the Writer
2: Than You podcast. We are still having an off <laughs> offline conversation about, about how cell ties his shoes. What, please explain to me again the bunny ears technique. With your shoelace. I make two bunny loops, two
3: bunny ears. Two loops. Yeah. That is, not, tie... that is not the common way to tie your shoes.
2: Hold on. You tie the, first you tie a knot. You like tie a single knot, and then you make a loop, and then you put the lace through the other thing, creating a second loop, and then you bring it down.
3: No, no. It's more of like an under and over motion.
2: I think you're just tying your shoes and giving it naming it after a bunny.
3: No, no, I'm telling you, uh, we have to do this in the
2: next break. I will, I will tie my shoe in front of you. Hey Diesel, you good at basketball? Yeah, I've got more of a bunny shot though. What, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, just kind of hop and you know when I shoot, it's bunny hop, bunny shot. I think everybody, it's called a jump shot. I'm no, telling no, you, different.
3: you're gonna watch me tie my shoe and I'm gonna blow your mind.
2: <laughs> it's the first time for everything. <laughs> oh, no, that was mean. I'm just kidding. You do it often. You do it often. And there's nothing wrong with standing during peaky. Yeah, we, we we have a we have a bunny. A bunny approach to watching TV. We just bounce up and down. I think you're just standing, bro, in excitement. Which <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Is that what other people so. call it?
3: Yeah, is that <laughs> what they that? call
2: it. <laughs> so you saw this yesterday, right? Uh, Rafa Nadal, who is the greatest tennis player ever, at least from the moment you know, tired. I mean, he's good. He's real good. Uh, was in a match that he eventually won toward the end of his career, and he um, he was running to get a ball, and he, he like threw his racket, and it bounced off the ground, and hit him in the face, and it. It looked like he got punched in the – it's like one of those movies where they just do the obligatory red strip across the nose. Like, oh, I'm a boxer. That's what it looked like. He was bleeding. He's laying on his back. I bet he felt like an idiot, D-Cell.
3: That is something that would happen to me, non-tennis player going out there, right. complete amateur. And you being someone who plays tennis a lot – now, you're not a pro, but you're very good. You play a lot. And where you would just point and laugh at me. That's not so, supposed to happen at the U.S. It, Open
2: it does i'm thinking i'm trying to think of, of self-inflicted injuries i've given myself in sports so i um in in this calendar year i have both okay so i definitely took a swing as such an idiot at an overhead and somehow brought my racket directly into my and you we had at a game shop this in the in the break your term family jewels <laughs> and i hit the ground but then you kind of feel embarrassed, yeah, because it's like if I don't get up, I'm gonna have to explain to my opponent. Oh, give me a <laughs> moment! I just struck my family jewels with my racket. So were, they, like were they were they not aware? I I, I don't know. If they're being pulled. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a it's a it's a bang bang point, and then I'm on the ground. So I'm, I think I try to pretend I was a. Cr- I didn't explain. I just hope they thought it was a cramp. The other thing I do all the time, which is really stupid, in tennis, you have to control your temper, and it's easier said than done. I don't throw my racket. I try not to yell, but sometimes I to get mad, and I'll, like, swing my racket kind of, you know, at nothing, and a few times, and twice this year, I've just, I'm left-handed. I have hit my right knee at full force and just crumpled, and there's no hiding that because people are just like, that guy's an idiot. Um, I definitely I don't know if this counts. Was at a friend's house and their daughter plays uh, soccer at a high level, and they have one of these nets where you you kick it off right, you kick it off the the soccer net, and I thought it was more of a goal, but it was a bounce back net, and I kicked it really hard, and the ball came back and hit me in the face. So that was a that was a super good. That was a super good moment. I gave there's another one that i I was that not I
3: expecting all these recent examples.
2: Yeah, no, that so that's not a great that's not that's not, and I think that's I think that's the only one that I cause you can't throw a fastball into your own face or else I would have done that by now. <laughs> um so so I, I, I can I can relate a little bit to the uh, to the self injury and, and with the tennis racket.
3: I mean, look at us relating to Tom Brady and Rafa Nadal all in the same
2: day. Man, we are—they're either not as cool as we thought, or we're cooler than we thought. Do you have any self-inflicting injuries you've you've committed upon yourself?
3: Now, this one is very recent. I'm interested to see if you say this is a sport or not. If you'll give me a little bit of leeway here, can, can I guess? Sure. Bowling. No, but okay. I think it's kind of in that same realm. Okay. At a child's birthday party, very, very recently, a.k.a. this past weekend, there was a piñata. I went blindfolded. I Wait, had—
2: are you, Hold on. Sorry. I apologize for interrupting you. Are you asking me if I think pinata is a sport?
3: Yeah. There's a I mean, little bit of athletics in it.
2: Is there is the professional pinata uh, tour on the Ocho? Is that, I've been missing that late <laughs> if, at night. if
3: we look hard enough, I think we may find it.
2: Steve Johnson gets the candy on the second swing. That's going to be hard to meet, Tim. All right, I'm sorry. Please continue with your your sports story. So, <laughs> so
3: I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. So after I was blindfolded, I took two swings at said pinata missed completely on the second one, which was also my final one. I hit myself in the knee with the stick. And I went down to one knee, not both, went down to one knee and proceeded to walk back to my table. I was done. That was it for me.
2: I think the worst part of that would be that you are feeling so much shame. And the shame is coming from the the dismissive, judgmental looks of, like, five-year-olds.
3: In front of my son and wife? Absolutely. And my wife was the first one laughing. First
2: one. I mean, how... (laughs)
3: It hurt, man. It really hurt.
2: Hey, bro, I've hit myself in the family jewels on a town of tennis court by myself. So I'm not, I'm not, um, I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you. All right. Speaking of self-inflicted injuries, just, you know, going about your business and then just doing something that hurts you, uh, Dak Prescott. A little bit of a word salad injury, bit of a bit of a. Um, uh, Dak is the cornerback of the most mediocre team in the National Football League. How, do you know how many? Play, uh, you, you're you're a Cowboys fan. I, I'll ask you, even though I know the answer, because I want to ha- make you say it. Because I'm 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 not very nice sometimes. What is the, the? Just remind me. I forgot. Sort of. Not really. What is the Cowboys playoff track record of late? Uh,
3: I believe it's three wins in the last 25 years. Mmm. Just doing the math. That's. That's not a lot. No, something that, that I don't think you would equate to being referred to as America's team.
2: And you, no, don't even get me going on the dude. Do, do not get me going on America's team, and don't get me going on that stupid Joe DiMaggio hit streak that is meaning like meaningless, a little strong, but it's incredibly overrated. Okay, don't do it. I'm gonna go down that rabbit hole. Um, that is a division, in the NFC East, that is not necessarily remarkably formidable. But let's just start from the bottom up. Uh, the Washington Commanders. It depends on your view on Carson Wentz, and I understand why most of us, myself included, are dismissive toward the idea that Wentz is going to come in and just elevate this team. But he, he could. I, I don't think he will, but he could. They made a move. My point is they try, they're trying something. I think we all agree that the Eagles have been pretty ambitious and have a really good roster, and if Jalen Hurts is serviceable or better, and I think that's certainly a reasonable possible outcome, that could be a really good football team the Cowboys, meanwhile, haven't done a lot. And Jerry Jones, big thing as we're going to go as our running back, who's basically 70 in NFL, NFL running back years, goes. You know, dog years, running back years. Dak Prescott probably shouldn't play the no-one-respects-us card. But that's exactly where he went. I mean, keep writing, keep talking. What is the obligation that, that Dak is is asking for? Is Am I – because I, I'm – look, and at the start of every hour, we play that montage, and I say, I'm willing to admit I'm wrong. I am. Am, am I getting it wrong? Am I supposed to be leading the show with, wow, the Cowboys are clearly going to go 17-0? and 0, Or, wow, I can't believe the best football team in the history of the sport is upon us? Or even, wow, the Cowboys are, are the cream of the NFC? What – I don't understand what Dak Prescott is talking about. I wonder, DeSalle, if maybe this is just the rehearsed word salad silliness that Dak thinks he's supposed to say as the quarterback of the Cowboys, but it just makes me actually hurt myself. I I need anvil. I roll my eyes so far into the back of my head, there's actually parts of my brain that begin to hurt. Keep writing what you're writing, saying what you're saying. There are teams that we're writing really negative things about or saying, really negative things about that deserve that kind of coverage and that kind of commentary. But the Cowboys are, are worse than a bad team to me. They're a meaningless team. They're an irrelevant team. They're going to come out. They're going to win some games. They're going to lose some games. They're going to be in that 7-9 win range. They're going to pretend to be relevant in their division. They're probably not going to make the playoffs, and if they do, they're going to lose by three touchdowns as Dak Prescott throws two interceptions and, and then prepares for next year at the start of the season to talk about the lack of respect that's being uh, spewed by. I, I don't understand what he's doing here, pal.
3: The only thing I can think of, and what spin cycle Dak is trying to put us in, is their offseason. They did not have a sexy offseason, and oh, by the way, Stephen (laughs) Jones is the one who told us that. They're admitting they did not have a big splash this offseason, so maybe that's what people are writing and talking about, Dak. It's really not that hard to figure it out. You guys are a mediocre team playing in a bad division. I totally agree with you. Seven to nine wins. They might be a playoff team. I'm not getting fooled again. I'm not letting Dak do it to me. They're not a good football team.
2: I don't know if you can grab the live programming alert quick enough cuz I know those things are kind of tricky to snag. And I know that when I come up with these ideas, maybe your your reaction is similar to mine when I hear Dak Prescott speak. But I find it very amusing that you constantly say they had a they didn't have a sexy offseason. I mean, that is like I mean what are you looking for? A little Marilyn Monroe, a little Holly Berry, like I, I you know, is Train. But here's what I'm. Here's my. Can, can, can we do a live programming alert? Can we just? And I'm being serious. I've never gone to a counselor. I've never seen a a a, um, a therapist. It would be interesting to hire a therapist to come on the show and just have us work through our issues. Like one day we could have you and, and bogus just working out, or we could get into some of my stuff, or we could get into like why um attaches the word sexy to the Cowboys constantly. It's almost like they let you down. It's like a love affair that turned bad.
3: They did let me down last year. And let's not forget the fashion in, in which they lost that football game by not knowing the rules on the final play of the game when at I home, first, by the way. Like, I first, Dak, I what do you think that. everyone is talking about and writing about? You're an underachieving team. It is what it is.
2: He's an underachieving quarterback. Here's the other thing. If you were to do a better than sign, just as a quarterback, with no context, who's better than whom? Dak versus Kirk Cousins. Wow. We give Kirk Cousins so much grief, and I think rightfully so, that he cannot win, that he's a loser in big games, that he's a massively... Kirk Cousins is a talented quarterback, and he's a statistical machine. Like, he is not a bad guy, say, for fantasy football, but if you want to exist in the real world and win games that matter, uh, Kirk Cousins is kissing Cousins, right? It it just feels... It's not right. It's just not okay. Kirk kissing Cousins. I don't... I can't just leap to the to the argument that Dak is a better QB than him.
3: Me either. I have a lot of hesitation. i probably still go Dak, but the hesitation is enough for us to, like, that's how far he's fallen.
2: I think I would go Kirk Cousins. I think I have zero, I think Kirk Cousins can win a couple playoff games before the magnitude hits him and he has to wear an adult diaper. Is that too mean? And then can't handle it? I don't think Dak can do it. Kirk adult diaper cousins. I wish it like had a rhyme or an alliteration. I prefer it. Uh, Let's get into some college football. It is upon us. There's a lot of storylines, a lot of things to unpack. Our buddy Barrett Slee will help us do that next year on CBS Sports Radio.
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
0: <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com?